Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. We're in the Milton Met studio in the Radio TV building at Indiana University, and I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host uh, Sarah Whitmire, the WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief. We're going to be talking about... Uh, Activism in the high school, sort of in the wake of the Parkland shooting and uh, the school walkout on uh, April 20th. And we have four guests, three guests with us here in the studio. We had a fourth guest on his way, but apparently he got into a little fender bender on the way. So we're sorry that he can't join us as well. But we have three great guests with us. Sarah Hannon is a student uh, at Bloomington High School North. Shay Upadier is a student at Bloomington High School South, and Maris Fish is a student at the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship here in Bloomington. So if you want to join us on the program and talk to these three uh, high school students and Sarah and I, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 or call toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. And you can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So Sarah, Shay, Maris, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. We Thank appreciate you. having all three of you in here. And Sarah, good to see you back. Yeah, good to be back. All right. Well, we're going to talk about um, what's going on in the high schools today and student activism. So tell me, and let's just start with you, uh, Shannon, Where what happened uh, I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> Off to a bad start. Sarah, uh, let's just start with uh, what you do on, on the 20th of, yeah. of April. So on the 20th, uh, we joined a bunch of high schoolers from around the county and protested gun violence in our country. Um, we walked out of school at 10 a.m. I know for North, at least, we walked around the track and did a little tribute to the Parkland students. Um, and then after that, a separate group of kids decided to drive down to the courthouse, and we started there, um, made a little bit of noise for about 45 minutes or so, and then walked down to Third Street Park and chanted the whole way there. Mm-hmm. How about you, Shay? Um, actually, a group of students from South walked to uh, from South to the courthouse. It was about 100 students, uh, 1.7 miles, so that was very cool to see. Um, the students from the Bloomington Students Against Assault Weapons, um, we were the ones who organized the rally at the courthouse and then also at Third Street, so that was also something really um, powerful to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And Maris? At about 10 o'clock in the morning, I came to my school, the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship, with my little sister, and I went to the back of the school and waited for students to walk out to come and find me, and I led them downtown to the courthouse, where we, like Sarah said, we made some noise, and we chanted, and we just gathered together, and then we marched to Third Street Park and had a wonderful rally and ceremony there and listened to everybody's voices, and it was it was a great thing to experience with my classmates. So what, what was, you know, why did all three of you feel like that was something that you wanted to do or needed to do? Maris, you want to keep going? Yeah. Um, well, I just feel like when things like this happen, you can't ignore it. Like, it feels to me like this is becoming too normal, and it's we're being desensitized to things like this. It's not uncommon to hear about a shooting or a killing or something like that on the news. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, humans aren't, are supposed to be shocked when they hear something like that. You know, 17 students were killed. Why are we going to sit and do nothing about it? We have to talk about it. We have to shout about it if people aren't going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Shay? Yeah, I've definitely felt um, very inspired in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting by the Parkland students who um, who are continuing this fight um, for stricter gun control legislation. And they've definitely laid out... Um, 
a lot of a lot of efforts that people across the country can take part in and so I think we're just doing doing our jobs to help support them and, and lead that movement in our own communities. Mm-hmm. Sarah? Um, I think that every generation has their own struggles and their own things that they really have to deal with and I think that for us it is mass shootings. Um, I was born a year after Columbine and I know that that's what we've grown up in. I was in elementary school when Sandy Hook happened and it's just gotten worse from there but I feel like if if the previous generation isn't going to do anything, it's on us because I'm not going to I'm not going to fear for my life for the rest of the time that I'm on this earth, and I'm not going to fear for my children's lives. I, like something needs to be fixed before we have to deal with another thing. And I feel like a big issue with this this entire topic is that the momentum goes up and down and up and down. And I, for, at least for me, it feels like this one needs to be different. And we're just trying to perpetuate mm-hmm. the conversation and at least create a space where people can talk about that for a lot longer than people are used to. So I'm curious then, what are the three of you doing to keep the momentum going and to keep this a part of the conversation? Um, So we went to Washington, D.C. for the March for Our Lives on March 24th, which was a little over a month after the Parkland shootings. Um, And then after that, we decided that so we already knew that there was a walkout planned on April 20th, and we were looking for a time that we could do like a, a die-in or something like that. Um, and we were trying to set a date for that, and we realized that they're four weeks apart, so it would be great to do something in the middle of that, just to try and have something every couple weeks that keeps people interested and keeps people talking about it. So we did a shoe-in where we had 90, 96 pairs of shoes around our school um, to represent the 96 Americans that are killed each day due to gun violence. Um, but we're just trying to keep something going. And after after each event, we're doing another event and another one on top of that. And our community has been so helpful in informing us of national movements also that we can take part in in Bloomington. So um, someone from Moms Demand Action forwarded me the link to the Project Town Hall initiative. And so um, Sarah and I helped organize um, a Project Town Hall here in Bloomington where we invited um, our state representatives to, to come and host a discussion um, about gun violence and really anything else that constituents wanted to ask. Um, and so that was a great turnout, I think, also for the for the community to come together and be able to see which state representatives are, are here to, to face their constituents and to have a conversation. Um, and that was very telling of, of our Indiana um, representatives, I think. Do you want to tell us who was there? Yeah, uh, Sarah. Do you I could list off a few. I'm not. There were so many. Uh, we invited, I think, 23, right? Mm-hmm. So we invited 23, and I think only a few Republicans even responded to us. Um, Joe Donnelly was out of town. Uh, we Todd did not Young. get a response from Trey Hollingsworth. Or yeah, Todd but Young. which is upsetting because I don't think we had any. We had like one person that was actually in office currently. So we had. Uh, Thomasina Marsili, Penny Gethins, Liz Watson, Dan Cannon, mm-hmm. Rob Chatlos, uh, Amy Swain. Jeff Ellington tried to make it. We had Jared Stancombe. Matt Pierce. Okay. And I think I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a that's a good group and yeah. not quite twenty three. No, it's no. it wasn't there. I think it was like eight. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Maris, you wanna answer Sarah's question about what you're gonna do to try to keep things going? Yes. Well, um I feel like when you ask for something like this so right now we're asking for the safety and protection of our lives and the lives of all students and the lives of everyone and um, this can't be a situation where we march a few times we rally a few times and then we go back again like I said before to being desensitized to this sort of thing we have to continue speaking about it we have to continue you know, making it relevant. And that's what I plan to do personally, is I'm not going to stop talking about it, and I'm not going to stop asking for the lives of me, my siblings, and my future students, I'm going to be a teacher someday, to be protected, you know? And I'm that's not something I'll ever stop asking for until it happens. Have your schools been supportive in terms yes. of enabling you to walk out or go to protests? or? Well, we're all from different schools. Right, so I yeah, like yeah. It's, a, it's a little bit of a different answer for each of us. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so Maris, you said the academy has been Yes. Supportive. My 
the staff, the principal, the counselors, and the majority of the students at the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship have been very supportive of this. The My principal, Jessica Willis, and my counselor, Carrie Gross, were both outside of the building when we were gathering in the back, and then there were some students in the front who were having a moment of silence for 17 minutes for the 17 students shot in Parkland. Um, they were out there, and they were making sure that we were safe. They even walked us to the crosswalk to make sure we got across the street okay. And um, that was just so moving to me to know that as students, we were able to trust that they would enable us to use our voices mm -hmm. in that way. Sarah? Um, so I go to North, and I think a big important part of education, especially before college, is teaching students to be able to use their voice. But of course, there are restrictions with, you know, getting into politics as far as um, like state state-run facilities go, like schools. And my principal, Michael Akers, um, I was not in direct contact with him, but I suspect that he was doing as much as he could um, without crossing any lines. Uh, so he couldn't explicitly support us, but he was he was very good in creating like a space that we were able to walk out and doing his best with creating a tribute that was nonpartisan. And um, I don't know, we haven't received any really repercussions for what we've done. Um, and I think we're being supported by the, for the most part, by and large, for like from our teachers and from our community. Mm -hmm. um, I go to South, and unfortunately, I had quite a different experience from Sarah and Maris. Um, our team at South had to jump through a lot of hoops to be able to make the walkout happen, um, which shouldn't have been the case because students, um, you, you can walk out for anything, you can for a doctor's appointment or whatever. And so that is the kind of approach that our school administrators finally took after we explained to them that no matter what, um, students were going to be walking out, not only in Bloomington, but following the national movement. And so um, after, after quite a bit of school opposition, they said that they would uh, that they can't do anything if students who get called out by their parents um, walk out. So so that's what we did. We encouraged a lot of students to get called out um, before. I know some schools earlier, um, when they were walking out with the Parkland shooting, had in-school presentations or things like that. Is that something that you all considered instead of walking out, seeing if you could organize something in the building so people weren't walking yeah, out? Yeah, so that's something that um, my high school, South, did. Um, at South, it was a bit of a memorial um, on the football stadium, um, and it, it was it was a it's a good effort. Um, it falls to me, it falls more in the thoughts and prayers bubble of of this movement, and and not so much um, you know demanding action and from your state legislators or whoever. Um, and so I I definitely think it's it's a good effort. It went well at South, um, but. But our school administration definitely encouraged us to take part in that movement rather than also host our own. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, at North, I know that we had a, I attended a safety, a school safety forum about a month or two before all of this happened. Um, and when they were discussing the walkout, I think that Mr. Akers, again, was was going off of his principle, what he has to say as a principle, um, and was encouraging us to all do something in the gym. Um, I think he wanted to kind of make a memorial for Parkland, um, but I do want to reiterate that it was it was a lot bigger than just Parkland. It's Gun violence didn't just affect those 17 lives in Parkland. It affects people every single day. It affects minorities and, and neighborhoods everywhere all across the country, and it affects people every single day. It affects people in Waffle Houses. It affects people in concerts and movies and churches, and that's just not acceptable. So it's not it's not like we walked out to show our solidarity with Parkland, because we did, but we also, park, we also walked out in order to make a change so that something like Parkland doesn't happen again instead of just giving our condolences, because that's what, I mean, our Congress people already have that covered. I think it's interesting, too. Um, our school administrators, at least at South, were saying that um, this memorial was to stand in solidarity with Parkland, which is very interesting to me because the students at Parkland are saying, you know, walk out um, and host these conversations. And that's something that our school was was not trying to do. So I, I do think that that's interesting. I, I wish Daniel had been able to be here because he was at some of these protests, but he was actually advocating for keeping the gun regulations the same. 
was wondering, how are you all having a conversation with folks who don't agree with with you walking out? Well, for me personally, with anybody who doesn't agree with, you know, any sort of thing that I am advocating for, I just try to ask them why. Because you are furthering ignorance and you are playing into ignorance if you are not knowing all sides of your story here when it comes to fighting for something, what they're doing with our frustrations of feeling like people are not listening to us, people are not being compassionate, people are not being open-minded. Well, we also have to be that with everybody, whether they agree with us or not. So I just ask them why, so that I can hear, you know, what have they been informed on? And what have they heard? What have they read? What have they researched? What do they believe? And how can I work with that so that we can find a place where everybody is safe and where everybody's needs are met? Because that's what needs to happen. This can't be a one-sided thing anymore. So we have to start asking why, and we have to start not only asking that, but listening to why and understanding why. Um, I think that one of the biggest issues is misinformation, especially in this day and age. Um, and so I think it's important to to realize that people may have different sides, but when you look at the facts, when you look at the statistics on American gun violence versus the rest of the developed world, even non-developed world, we are sticking out. And so it's obviously there's a problem there. And I'm not I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying this is this is exactly how you solve it, but we at least need to start the conversation because Inaction is not acceptable at the moment. I mean, 96 Americans are dying each day. That's not okay. There's obviously an issue there that we need to discuss. Um, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's. You can't say we have to keep everything in place. You can't say there's not an issue here. You can't say this is this is how I want to live. This is how I want my country to be. This is not a partisan issue. Gun violence is not a partisan issue. I'm not going to vote for just Democrats or I'm not going to vote for just Republicans. I'm going to vote for who's going to protect my life. Mm-hmm. Let me give our phone numbers again. We're talking with three students, um, Sarah Hannon from Bloomington High School North, uh, Shay Upadier from Bloomington High School South, and Maris Fish, who's from the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship. And we're talking about gun violence and issues that have a, a, a direct impact on high school students today. If you want to give us a call, please do, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us or contact us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So for all three of you, is this is this a new experience for you, or have you always, you know, from the time you were young, sort of been active and trying to make better things that you thought were wrong? Or was this gun issue different? Maris, you want to start? Play. Okay. Yeah, I'll start. Um, um, ever since I was a very little girl, I have read about things in history, and I have learned about and asked about things now where people are not being treated fairly or equally or where people are not happy. And that intrigued me because I wanted to know, again, like I had said before, I wanted to know why this was happening, and I wanted to know what could I do to make it better. Um, I currently intern at a preschool, and one of the number one rules there are people are not for hurting. So... When you teach that to a preschooler, you have to also know that wholeheartedly yourself. And so when I see that people are hurting, when I see that people are dying, that is a problem. And it has to stop. And I've known it since I was very young. If somebody is hurt, if, somebody, if people are dying, you have to do something about that. You have to educate yourself about that. And you have to raise your voice about that. I have gone to every protest I could possibly go to ever since I knew what protesting was. And I've been encouraged to do so by my family. And so I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Shay? Yeah, for me, this has been um, 
a new experience because this is the first group that has been entirely student-led that I've been a part of, the Bloomington Students Against Assault Weapons. Um, I've been a part of a lot of other organizations where students have been given the lead, they've been given um, the opportunity to use their voice, but there's always been um, an adult mentor present. But for the Bloomington Students Against Assault Weapons, uh, we operate primarily through GroupMe, and it's all students, um, and that has been an amazing experience to see what, what we as students are capable of um, in planning a trip to D.C., inviting our state representatives um, to, to come talk to us and, um, and walking out. Uh, yeah, for me, my dad has always been a big part in my political life. Um, I didn't even know his political affiliation until I was probably like 12 years old, but he's always done a really great job of keeping me in the news, or like keeping me in the loop with the news. Um, and so I think I've always been interested in politics and interested in questioning the status quo. I've never been one to just sit around and just accept things for the way they are. I think this is the point of government is to better society. Um, and so I'm really interested in that. But this election cycle, at least, has definitely been the first time that I've been so overly involved to the point that I'm like, that's all I can do is just go home and read about what's going on in our government because there's so much. Um, so I think that just the current political climate that we're living in, it's really hard not to get involved. I feel like there's, it's, I mean, how can you not with with everything going on? Um, I feel like you have to take one side or the other because there's some quote out there that says like neutrality stands on the side of the oppressor. And I think that it's important to take a side for whatever you believe is right and stick up for that. Are you all registered to vote? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Are you old enough? Are you all old enough? I'm not quite yet. <laughs> we actually helped, I will. Yeah, we helped a lot of our uh, classmates get registered. So at the town hall, we sent out a link, and we've tweeted a lot of links. And, uh, I mean, everywhere I go, I say, like, hey, are you guys registered to vote? And if they're not, I dig into them. But, uh, like, we've done that in our government class. But I think that's that's the next thing that we can do is just vote in the primaries. And it's very, it's very important to vote. No matter what side you're on, it's very important to vote because I've heard a lot of people, especially in the recent presidency, who did not vote and who are now complaining about what's going on. And I just tell them, well, you know, you didn't use the voice that you were given. And so now look where we are. Look where you are. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to take a short break. Uh, the, we've gone through half the program. It's gone very fast today. We're talking with uh, Sarah Hannon, Shay Upadier, and um, Maris Fish. We're talking about high school and high school kids who are students, I should say, not kids, students, who are uh, being very active in, in politics today and you know what's driving them. We'll be right back after a short break. the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. And we are talking about activism in, in our schools today with three students who are, are very interested in what's going on in the world and very active about what's going on in the world. We have Sarah Hannon, a student at Bloomington High School North, Shay Upadye, a student at Bloomington High School South, and Maris Fish, a student at the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship here in Bloomington. If you want to give us a call, and these these guys would be very eager to talk to you, I'm sure, give us a call at 
1-877-285-9348 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. And we actually do have a phone call. We have Owen on the line. Owen's from Bloomington. Go ahead, Owen. Thanks, Bob. Um, I would be interested in knowing from the students um, what they think about the quality of the education they receive in their schools about how government and society works. And I ask that because um, they all pointed to how much their uh, activism has been influenced by their family. And some people um, think that the quality of our civic education in the schools these days is not very good. All right. Sarah, you want to go first? Okay. Thanks, Owen. Um, I think that I've been raised both by my family and by my educators to uh, be a strong voice and a strong leader. Um, I think that in high school, I've really learned, I've really found my own opinions and found what I think is right. But I also think that a big issue with um, the current political climate is the fact that it seems like facts are becoming partisan nowadays. And so it seems like teachers and educators and people within the school have to stay away from that. And we can't have these conversations in class or with teachers because they're afraid of getting fired. Um, so it's upsetting to see. I mean, I've, I've encountered some facts in a few of my classes, but I know that there was an instance at North where a teacher brought up um, the issue of gun violence and he is now suspended. Uh, that's really upsetting to see because I think that's a big issue is that people just don't want to talk about hard stuff. And if you're not going to learn it at school, not everyone has the opportunity to see it in their family or in their own homes. So I think that it's really important to hear the facts from the teachers because that's what they're there for. They're there to, to educate you and give you the knowledge that you need. And I mean, I've under, I understand how the government works, but I don't know if I understand, like, I don't know if the facts have been given to me to, to make those opinions for myself. I want to follow up on that really quickly. So if the issue of gun violence comes up or, I mean, how, have you had opportunities within the walls of the school to discuss and debate this issue? Um, at South, we have been given the opportunity in our AP government class once a week. We talk about current events and students bring in topics um, and, and we discuss them. Um, the only issue with that is that nobody is there to fact check um, the, the topics that students are bringing up and the statistics that they bring. Um, and so, unfortunately, um, everything that that has the potential to be disputed or, or to say, you know, like, actually, that's not true. That's not what this group lobbies for. Um, unless it's unless it's like blatantly said in the article, um, we don't get to talk about it. So in my opinion, it's actually made things worse because now there's a spread of misinformation that Sarah was discussing earlier. Maris, how about it? your school? At the Academy of Science and Entrepreneurship, our principal had sent out um, an email letting us know that we could come to her and come up with plans and ask her for her advice or um, if we would be able to do certain things to be able to express our voices on April 20th. She had invited us to, you know, come up with, you know, what do you want to do that day that is going to be safe and is also again going to allow you to use your voice and so you know in my school to to answer Owen thank you Owen um, to answer him we learn about the government government is a required class we learn about the government how it works we learn about things that have happened in the past in the government but teachers you know really are not allowed to express their voices in that sense um, to us they are not allowed to influence or you know talk about what they believe as a teacher but we are given at my school the free and open space to express what we want to express and ask our teachers you know how can we express that opinion in a safe way in our school i think owen's question is really interesting in terms of i'm just curious in talking about government and civics if if those are still being taught the way they were when i was in high school eons ago or if it's been updated to reflect more how things have changed. Um, I think that things are a little bit outdated because, like I said, with the fact issue, I mean, you can look back 100 years and you can say slavery was wrong. And that would have been controversial 100 years ago or however long ago it was. Uh, 150, sorry. <laughs> Not that old. But, <laughs> but um, you can also look back and say, like, Richard Nixon 
was a crook and he was corrupt, but you can't say those things today, even though the facts are out there. It just seems like we can never we can never fully get an opinion, a collective opinion as a society until it's already gone. Until when does it matter anymore? You know, like everyone knows that slavery is bad and racism is awful. And Richard Nixon was a horrible president. But you can't say that nowadays because, I mean, apparently we can't discuss it when we're in the middle of it. We have to wait till it's already gone, which I think is a big issue. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We uh, we just did a story this week where we're talking to young voters about whether they're going to vote. And we just sort of started by saying, can you name one of the people who's running in the Senate race? And I don't think we talked to anyone who could. Um, so I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, though, because you were talking about registering voters and registering young people. Just do you feel like you're in the minority? Are other people engaged? I think there's something different about this election than there has been in the past. I think that every generation has a coming of age, like with the Vietnam War, uh, for my, for like my parents' generation, stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. I think I think there's a certain time where people need to realize that their voices actually do matter. And I mean, I think what was the stat? Like four million 18-year-olds or people, kids are going to be 18 by the time the election comes around. Um, and that has the potential to swing an entire election. If every 18-year-old voted, we could all, <laughs> we could all. Exactly. Get what we wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we still have Owen on the line? Owen? I would mention, uh, if people don't know it, um, they can vote in the primary election if they are 18 um, by the day of the general election. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Just wonder if you had any follow-up before we move on. No, this is great. Okay. I, I appreciated the students' uh, contributions. All right. Thank thanks, Thank Owen. Thank you. Uh, we did have another call uh, that just had a very specific question. I don't know if all, any of you know, have the answer. Uh, asking if, if the mayor of Bloomington was invited to your to the walkout on the 20th. Yeah, uh, the mayor was actually invited to both the town hall and the walkout. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he did not show up to the town hall after we had contacted him many times. Uh, he did show up to the walkout, however, and uh, was in support of us. He gave he gave us a great speech, and he definitely gave us a space to use our voices and stepped back um, while still making an appearance and, and showing us that, that he cared about our efforts. Mm-hmm. He did get kind of roasted for the armored vehicle, though. So. <laughs> well. All right. Eight, uh, our numbers again are 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Um, I talked to – so Abby Cannon wrote a story for us. She went to Washington and wrote a story for our front page, and when I talked to her before – Going to Washington, she expressed some concerns, some fears about what might, what they, what students might face. And I just wanted to ask the two of you, Sarah and Shay, did you have concerns when you went out there, and what did you find once you got there? Definitely, I did. Uh, when I told people I was going to Washington, you know, they looked at me very quietly and was like, aren't you worried something might happen? And and yeah, I, I was worried, but I don't think that that should ever stop stop you from using your voice. Um, that if you were scared, you know, everywhere you went, then you wouldn't get anything done. Um, I was very pleased when we got to the march, just the number of people there, the, the motivational speeches. I definitely was not was not scared when I was surrounded by um, these people who made me feel empowered. Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. And I feel like that's honestly the reason we were marching is because we shouldn't have to fear going to a march and getting shot, you know. Um, I mean, just like Shay said, if if you if you really truly do believe something, it doesn't matter if you're scared or not. Sometimes you just have to stand up and be fearless about it. Um, but once I got there, of course it was on my mind. But once I got there, the fears went away. It was such an ex- like an amazing experience with so many people of the same beliefs as me, and it was so moving and so passionate that that no one was thinking about it by the end. And I mean, I felt I felt completely safe the entire time I was in Washington D.C. and on the way up there. Mm-hmm. What about uh, in your schools? Do you have incidents where there are guns in schools? Do you know of situations? Do you worry? How much do you worry about that? Uh, definitely after Parkland, I think seeing the videos of the shooting happening and from from kids' cell phones. Um, I know that every time I go into a room now, I want my back to the wall and I want to be facing the door and I want to be close to a window. Um, it's not necessarily that I fear that 
my school has anything wrong with it or that anything could happen there, but it can happen anywhere. Um, as far as guns in schools, I don't believe I've ever seen one aside from a police officer. Um, if I did, I would feel extremely unsafe and extremely uncomfortable. Um, and especially when the when the topic was brought up about arming teachers, I felt very, very uncomfortable. And I, I, can't, I, was, I was saying I would drop out if that happened. I don't want to be around more guns because the statistics show that if you're around more guns, you have a higher likelihood of getting shot. So I don't want them anywhere near me when I'm being educated. Mm-hmm. Maris and, and Shay, how about that issue of guns with your teachers, you know, arming teachers, which came up? Well, as someone who wants to be a teacher someday, I have wholeheartedly promised everyone that I will find a new profession if I'm required to carry a gun. I will not carry a gun around preschool children or any children or any students or anyone. Mm -hmm. I won't. And, you know, as an educator, I go into this and I I think about all the things that I'm going to teach my students. I'm going to think about, you know, the things that I can do for my community, and that's a great thing. But now what also crosses my mind is someday, you know, hopefully not, but someday I may have to throw myself across some students. And that's going to be a really, you know, sickening day. But I feel like now that that's something that has to cross my mind. And in my school, I I haven't really seen any weapons. And if there were any, you know, the teachers are on that, like white on rice and take it out. Like that's not acceptable at all. But you start to look at you know, the students who joke about it differently. You start to look at the students who get overly, overly angry and threaten things like that much differently after things like this happen. You know, you start to take it more seriously. You start to look at the room and think about where you're gonna hide. You know, and I never thought about that when I was little. Um, I definitely don't feel comfortable with my teachers at school having guns. Uh, For one, I have a few teachers who just graduated from college last year, um, and that does not make me feel safe. Um, But it doesn't make me feel safe um, of any of anyone of any age um, who is not trained to to carry a gun, you know, if you're not in the police or the military. Um, In terms of students bringing guns to school, I personally have not seen anyone carrying a gun um, at school, but I think the power of social media makes it known that these people do have guns. I've definitely seen on Twitter and Instagram um, in the past two months after after Parkland, people posting pictures of their guns, um, threatening others. And while those situations um, have been dealt with after after they've been posted, it still instills it still instills fear in the students who don't know if they want to go to school the next day because they've seen this threat online and they don't know if it's been taken care of. If you want to talk to uh, Sarah, Shea, and Maris, we still have about 15 minutes to go. Give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at one 877 285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. I don't think we were ever, just I want to clarify, I don't think we were ever talking about requiring teachers to carry guns. It was giving them the option, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, then the state superintendent actually did come out and say, we, we don't want that in Indiana, which was, which was interesting. Um, can you all just talk about the security measures that exist in your schools? Do you have something like scanners that you have to walk through or what's it look like if we were to come in your building um i mean we've been taught from a young age what to do and it's called a code red when there's an intruder in the building um but i think there's lots of flaws with that and we are trying i think it's a lot of students are trying to change those uh protocols but one of the issues is that we have a code red and we do it i think we've done it once this year and I'm not even in that class anymore. So we, I mean, I know what to do in the event of being in one classroom out of the entire school. Um, other than that, it just seems like mayhem kind of, but I've also heard from other people that some people think you're supposed to exit the building in, a, in the event of a code red, which, I mean, there's just so much miscommunication. I feel like that really needs to be stepped up. And if we're not gonna deal with the gun issue, we can at least deal with making our school safer. Has that gotten any better since these shootings? Uh, nothing has manifested. Nothing has, I mean, it's been a lot of conversation, but as far as I've seen, maybe it's going to happen next year, uh, but I'll no longer be a part of MCCSC. So at the moment, no, I have not seen much, but I'm sure there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, but 
we're not being notified of that or anything of the sorts. I think one thing is interesting the, to to go along with what Sarah is is asking about. You know, when when we were growing up, basically when I was growing up, I'm a lot older than she is. <laughs> you know, we'd have um, you know fire drills, tornado drills, things like that. But active shooter drills are now sort of we've we've even had those at you know at our place of work. I think people have active shooter drills pretty much all over. So that you have that kind of that's that what a code red would be it's basically. not as I mean just like I said earlier it's yeah. kind of taboo to call it that yeah. even though everyone knows that's what it is okay. um, so code green is we're just hanging out and then code yellow is like someone robbed a bank down the street code red is someone is in the building um, I mean we have fire drills I think once a month and maybe that used to be necessary but I mean we've advanced technology on we've advanced like regulations as far as fire goes but we haven't advanced regulations on guns so I mean, I feel like my school is more likely to suffer a mass shooting than it is to have a fire or a tornado, especially in Indiana. Um, so I think it's kind of ridiculous that we do the we do these drills at a rate of like ten times to the other ones. Mm-hmm. But it's just that that's what people want to talk about. That's what people feel comfortable doing. That's what people feel. I mean, if we talk about it, it's like people think it's going to happen if we talk about it. But mm-hmm. I think the opposite is true. Uh, how is it at your schools? Yeah, so um, at my school, I go to South again. Um, the question was raised, you know, like, we don't know what to do if we're in the cafeteria. We don't know what to do if we're in the auditorium. We never practice that. Um, and so they did host one one um, day where, where everyone was able to experience that. Unfortunately, it was at a time of day where a lot of seniors take internships. So a lot of the seniors that I've spoken to do not they still do not know what to do. Um, and so I think that's a struggle to find a time where where they can reach the most amount of students um, in order to practice that drill. And the answer to that, I think, is having it more than once. You know, if this is a real threat to students, you need to continuously be practicing that, just as Sarah said, for, for the fire drills. Um, and, and to my knowledge, that was the only planned day uh, for this year, at least. And I'll be graduating in the spring. How about you, Maris? My school has become safer. Um, My principal has, you know, I'll assume that she has spoken with our teachers and um, about what are we going to do to make students feel safe. And so what we've been doing is we've been often having active shooter drills. And after those active shooter drills, my principal will go to each room and see, and she'll look in the door and she'll look in the window and see if she can see any students. And then she'll walk in and see if there's anybody, you know, hanging out in a place that could be unsafe. And then we have a conversation afterwards with our teacher where our teachers ask us, do you feel safe if you don't? Do you have an idea of how we can make you and make others feel safer and be safer? And, um, you know, all the schools, not all the schools, but all the doors in our classrooms lock now. You can't just walk in and out, even as a student myself. Um, We have the doors shut during lessons and during work time and locked. So if you want to get in and you're knocking on the door, someone has to get up and get it for you. Um, And that's in case of an emergency. It's already set up and ready to go. In order to enter the building, you have to press a button, which also has a camera on it so that they can see who you are and ring in to open the door. So, yes, we have gotten safer, and we've started asking, you know, how can we be safer and feel safer? Mm-hmm. So I want to ask, let's, let's just sort of pretend for a minute that those 23 uh, public officials that you invited to that forum were, were here in this room or are listening on the radio today. What I mean, what would you tell them? I mean, I think when you get into this discussion, a lot of times people you've heard it all. I'm sure you've heard people say they want to take away our guns. I mean, what's what do you want? I mean, what what is a, what are appropriate steps forward in this? And what would you tell these 23 public officials? I think first I would tell them that our lives are far more important than any campaign contributions that they could ever receive, even if. Even if a a law was to save one life of one child, I think that that's worth more than anyone's hobbies around the world. If anyone's hobbies are hunting or protection or whatever they want to call it, I think even if it saves one life, it's important. And I think it's important just for America to find their soul again. I think it's important for officials to look at us and hear kids speaking up. We had a sixth grader 
help us organize the walkout, to see these sixth graders, these young, these young faces say, there is an issue and you are failing us. Um, as far as gun legislation, I don't want to take every, take away everyone's guns. And I do want to respect everyone's Second Amendment rights, but in the Second Amendment it says, well regulated before it says anything else. And at this point, there are little to no regulations. It's ridiculous that we have weapons of war and weapons of mass destruction just sitting around our streets. Um, so I think that's an important thing to take care of. I think it's important to expand background checks. I think it's important to clean up our databases and make them more accessible. Um, I think it's important to close a lot of loopholes like gun shows. I think it's important to ban bump stocks, to ban semi-automatic weapons. I think it's important to keep uh, regulations as far as ammunition and banana clips go. Uh, I think there's a lot we can do, and right now we're doing none of them. I mean, certain states are doing whatever, but then it's a race to the bottom to see who's going to be the weakest link because then you just go and buy a buy a firearm there with with nothing checking you. So, I mean, I think it's important to create federal regulations and just get some common sense going because right now 97% of Americans support universal background checks, but that's still not happening. So obviously there's there's a disconnect between constituents and their, and their representatives. Mm-hmm. So that was Sarah. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm definitely on board with everything Sarah said. I think the most important thing is that we contacted those 23 um, representatives in order to just host a conversation. We didn't expect them to leave the room with with all of those things that Sarah just said. Um, We just want to let them know what we're thinking. And the fact that they can't respond to an email or respond to a phone call is is very disappointing. Mm -hmm. Maris? Well, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, take the situation as a representative, as a a governor, a senator, legislator, whatever you may be, um, person of power. Take the situation, take money out of it, and look at how people are not safe. Whether you think so or not, people are not safe. They don't feel safe. They're asking for gun regulations. They're asking for help to make things safer in our country and money should not at all ever play a role in that it should not be able to move that or counteract that it shouldn't matter it's the fact that people's lives are in danger people are upset and that something's got to be done about that in this country You know, it's too much of people saying things like, oh, well, you're getting too riled up over this. That's not for you to decide. Mm -hmm. It's not. What matters is I don't feel safe. It's a public health epidemic, and I feel like we're not approaching it as that. I mean, the CDC is not even allowed to study Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, that's we can address the opioid addiction issue, and we can address all these things that are going on. We can address influenza because people are dying from that and it starts to matter people are dying we took care of ebola in what a week and i mean we just nothing can happen with guns because there's so many lobbyists going on and putting their hands where their hands do not belong but there's no lobbyists for you know pro ebola or pro flu so we can take care of that but we can't take care of guns for some reason Sarah and Shay, I know you're both graduating. Are you, Maris, as well? Yes. Okay. So, if the three of you approach college or whatever's next, do you do you plan to continue activism? And if so, how? Um, I am majoring in political science at Indiana University next year, um, and I made that decision before the Parkland okay. shooting, stuff like that. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to go into the government, um, but I definitely want to be part of at least a think tank or something like that to to put my voices into action, to put my my ideas and to make myself heard. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to get into the slimy politics of it, but uh, I mean, I, I definitely intend to keep going and for my whole life. Yeah, I'll be attending Indiana University in the fall as well, majoring in um, law and public policy. So I'll definitely be around um, these types of conversations. Um, And I definitely want to continue using my voice. Um, I'm really excited also to see um, what other movements um, this will lead to in our our high schools and middle schools and elementary schools, as Sarah mentioned, a sixth grader organized to die in um, at the walkout. I'm doing the ASAP program at Ivy Tech, and then I'll be transferring to Indiana University to major in early childhood education. And um, regardless of where I am, what I'm doing, or what I am, I'm going to use my voice. If I, 
you know, feel the need to. And, you know, I would just encourage, you know, myself, the people around me, and, you know, everyone listening now to look for an organization, get involved. And if you don't know what to do to help, ask. Just ask what you can do and start using your voice in that way. Sarah, you said this term, slimy politics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <So laughs> I want to go back to that because I think, you know, I, I think that, you know, politics has become, I don't know, it's broken. I'm going to say it's, yeah, politics is broken. So if people like you or like Shay or like Maris, you know, have no interest in running for poli- politics or in politics, how do we get people who can fix that system? Is it fixable? I mean, I think it is flexible because it's not always been this way. Um, there's ways to get out of there. You, there's, you can bust up Citizens United. Um, you can bust up a lot of things like that. You can bust up super PACs. Um, but I think it's it's important that a democracy is a true democracy and the fact that it represents their people accordingly. Um, I think that we need to take a serious look at who we're electing because, I mean, there's some stat that's like Congress has a super, super low approval rating overall, but then people keep reelecting the incumbents. So I think you, people need to just be more informed about who is representing them and who they are electing. Because I think right now a big issue in America is divisiveness between like polarization of party lines. So I think a lot of people just vote straight line regardless of what that person may or may not represent. I don't think people really know what who they're voting for. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to get into like the campaigning and the mudsling. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant by slimy politics sure. and, and the sure. money of it uh, just repulses me. But I think it's important that people just stay informed because that's, that's the cornerstone to a, a democracy. Okay, we're out of time. I want to thank all three of you. It's been a great conversation. I'm really very happy that you all came in. I admire all three of you. Um, this you. is we've had Sarah Hannon, Shea Upadye, and Maris Fish with us. For uh, Sarah Whitmire, producer Angela Batista, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.